as we've talked about faith forward and this idea about the community that God is building and the kingdom of God, this idea that we can experience faith greater than fear, I have just thought over and over and over again. For me personally, I'm just going to tell you, my own heart, my own mind, my own life, I have been so thankful for the Word of God and for the community of hope and for the presence of God through the Holy Spirit to just invite me to live with faith greater than fear. And I just, as much as I needed it before, I just solidified how much I needed it. And so if you're at a place today where you have been short on faith, you maybe don't kind of have like a history of faith in your journey, or you're exploring faith, or maybe at one point in your life you would have said, I am the most faith-filled person, but today it just feels different. I just want you to know that I have incredible hope for us together, that there is a God whose love is so great that we can be invited again to experience faith greater than fear, to experience a faith and an anchor and a truth that gets us through storms, that gets us on the other side of the storm, that navigates our way when things are difficult, that begins to invite us to a life story different than the news outlets and the realities here on earth that sometimes are so clear to us that the realities of heaven seem to be this dim, distant question mark. See, if we begin to engage the life of Jesus and look forward, we begin to see that there is a truth we must embrace every single day of the week. I don't know about you, but I love coming, I love coming to the vineyard. I've now been hanging out here for about 10 years. I'm old enough to have been hanging out here, you know, part of the staff on the team for 10 years. And I love it here. And I love gathering with you. I love being greeted with smiling faces and, you know, high fives. And I love what happens in worship and experiencing the presence of God. I love it. The presence of God being experienced here and now is one of the things that anchors my faith. Day in and day out, week in and week out. I love it. Yet if all I got was, was, was here, if this was the only thing I got during the week, I just... As good as it is, don't get me wrong, I just don't think it's enough. I just don't think it's enough. I mean, here's my point. How many of you commute for work? Okay, how many of you have driven in a vehicle in the last week? There we go. Man, look at, look at like, you're among friends today. This morning I woke up, it was a little bit early, and I got in my car. I do that often. And I start the car, and there is a light on the dash. How many of you love seeing lights on the dash that you don't expect to see? And this one looked like a fuel pump. And I could look, and, it, and I was on empty. Like, you know, when it, you know there's like on empty, and then there's like past empty? I was a past empty this morning. And you see where the story's going, right? Because so often... If we treated our cars and our gas tanks like we treat our spiritual journeys, we wouldn't be getting very far. We would be not commuting as far as we normally commute because I pulled up to the tank and I thought, okay, I'm going to get gas before I get to the office. And I put the nozzle in and I pushed the button and I pulled the handle. No gas. 
like nothing. I, I go, this can't be right. So I push the button and I pull the handle. No gas. So then I did what I, I, I put it back. I cancel the order. I pull around to the other one that doesn't have the plastic bag over it. And I think it's got to just be that one pump. So I put it in, push the button, pull the handle. No gas. And I'm telling you this story because it's going to apply again here shortly in the conversation this morning, but here's what I know. For every good journey that has any distance to it and a journey well-traveled, you have to have fuel for the journey. If we're going to be a community embracing the kingdom of God, looking with faith forward to all that God wants to do in the earth and heaven coming to earth and seeing the kingdom come and break in, we have to have fuel for the journey. Y'all with me this morning? Can we say fuel for the journey? One, two, three. Fuel for the journey. That's right. That's where we're going to be today. And the big idea is this. As we journey with Jesus, we're not just invited to fuel up. We are invited to grow. As we journey with Jesus, it's not just fuel so we can go wherever we want by our own standards and in our own ways and directions, but that we would receive a fuel that allows us to grow and thrive in the best life imaginable. The best life imaginable. And I'll just tell you this. If Jesus does not offer the best life imaginable, I, I just don't know that I would be following Jesus. But what I'm discovering in Jesus, and the more I, I look at the Gospels, and the more I read about the good news, and the more I see my own life, and the more I reflect on what life looks like without Jesus, I firmly believe that Jesus offers the greatest life you could ever imagine. The greatest life you could ever imagine. And what we're going to do is we're going to look in Luke 2 today as we think about this idea of fuel for the journey and growing together. And I'm going to read the first few verses from this story looking at Jesus in his teen years, kind of his preteen adolescent days. And so the first few verses aren't up here. I'm going to set the stage for us. And then we're going to read together out of Luke 2. And we'll pick the story up here with verse 46. I'm going to read you uh, a few before that. It says this, Every year Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. Now just let's pause for just a second. Do you, do you see what's happening? large caravan, a family and friends making a, a journey of faith and tradition and custom to embrace this incredible life of God, of experiencing the presence of God, the provision of God. And they go and they, they experience what was supposed to happen, and then what do they do? They head home. And they just think, well, you know, Jesus is with our friends there and with the extended family, and, you know, we're all in the caravan together, and they go. And here's where we're going to pick it up. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, everybody together, son, why have you treated us like this? Anybody feel like that would have been their response? They show up like, what are you doing to me? 
okay? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? It's a good 12-year-old, right? I'm just, okay, that was, that was, that's my commentary. But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Why are you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. You know, as we engage this story, I just want to invite you to let the truth of God's Word and the Spirit interact with you today. This is one of the things we believe about how God works, that His presence is here. The Spirit loves to lead us and guide us and direct us. And so let's engage the story together. You know, this idea about a faith-forward journey and this fuel for, for this journey that we would be filled with the things we need and we would encounter a God who's active and alive and, and, and full of grace and truth. And so I just want to point out a few things. The way the story says is every year, every year. So as we think about fuel for the journey, I want you to begin to think about your journey requires things to happen annually. Like you need anchor points and, and in the best sense of the word, traditions and, and this, this growth of faith in you that you connect again and again and again to the truth and the foundation of who God is. That we would have this, this rhythm of, of every year, whether it's a retreat or it's, it's getting away or it's, it's taking friends and it's celebrating what God has done over the last year or over the last three, five, ten years. But it says every year the family would go. And I think that's another part of it. Every year, we need to be a part of a family. Where we have influence, we need to be influencing these rhythms in our family. That we would be people who celebrate and champion faith being formed in those near us, in those we have relationship with. That we'd be inviting people to be a part of our family. You know, as I think back about my own life, I was fortunate to have incredible parents who helped form faith in me and spoke to me about things of Jesus and the kingdom and about the work of the Holy Spirit. But I'll just tell you, I was adopted by a lot of families that extended my faith family. I had people who loved me like I was their own kid, their own young adult. I still do. I have friends now that speak hope and truth into my life. We all need this. We all need this. As it keeps on going, we begin to see that Jesus was sitting among the teachers. What do you think that encourages us to do today? And just for the record, I'm not encouraging you to be so anchored to me. No, but that we would have a heart that's teachable. See, I don't know who those teachers were, but what we see is a heart in Jesus that's teachable, that he's positioning himself to receive fuel for his journey. How does that work for you? Are you at a place in your life where you're still open? You're still in, you know, engaging? I'd say you're here. This is a great picture of being teachable. You're being very kind to me right now. I'm trusting you are. You might be doing other stuff. <laughs> listening and asking. Listening and asking. He says he was sitting among the teachers, listening and asking good questions. And they were amazed. Not just teachable, but desiring more of God's truth and God's word. See, sometimes we think we've got to 
you know, get it figured out and then we move on. But we see in Jesus this open heart, this teachable heart that just has us. Are we willing to be people who will say, I hunger for more? Like, that I would hunger for more. I'll tell you what, my, ga- my, my gas tank was hungering for more this morning. And it, it was so clear that it put an alert light out for me to see. Are you aware of the alert lights in your own life? Are you aware of the desire that you might have for more? I don't know about you, but I know for me sometimes the, the alert lights that go off, the warning lights that go off, I miss them because I'm going so fast and I'm not asking good questions and I'm running low on fuel, but I misplace that and then I try harder and I just think if I can get this next thing and this other thing, but we see in Jesus, this Jesus at age 12, sitting there listening and asking good questions with a desire for more and a clear sense of his father's house. This identity. This identity was just so set in his heart from an early age in this experiential declaration of I'm in my father's house. I know who's mine. I know whom I, whom I is. It's not right. He knew who he was, and he knew who he was under. And he knew the relational identity that he had to the Father. Do you? Are you fully aware in your own life that there's a God who loves you? You know, maybe people didn't get it right. Maybe your parents didn't get it right. But even in this story, we see this clear connection of of Jesus to his parents, and we see this incredible declaration of knowing God the Father as his. This identity that's God-given that we each are being invited to. And then we see this at the end of the story. It says he went home to Nazareth and he was obedient to his parents. You know, for us to become people who would know obedience, faithful obedience, I'll just tell you, if you didn't get to hear Alan's message last week, look for it on our podcast, look for it online. This call to simple and faithful obedience is just at the bedrock of saying yes to Jesus of being a follower. If we're going to follow, what it means is there's somebody out in front of us that we're letting call the shots. We're letting them lead and guide and direct us. And if they say go right, we don't go, nope, I'm going this way. We go right. We're obedient and we cultivate a heart of faithful obedience. And if you're in the house and you were a teen, be obedient to your parents, particularly when they are showing healthy love and correction. If we're Parents, let's be faithfully obedient to Jesus, to God the Father who loves us and speaks correction to us. That it would correct our lives in the right direction. See, we have to see this in the person of Jesus. Because this is who I'm following. This is who I'm being invited to follow. And so there's obedience and it's a surrender. It's a surrendering of my will to one who is greater than me. And Jesus grew. This is the one Lone fill in the blank today on your listening sheet. And Jesus grew. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And Jesus grew. This is one of the things I love about Jesus is that there was this real life lived, the God who came and walked and moved and interacted and shows me the way to life. Shows me that if Jesus needed to grow, guess who else needs to grow? This guy. I need to grow. 
the Son of God, the one who was there at the beginning, holds it all together and is the one who came and lived and died and was buried and is resurrected, holds resurrection. It's in Jesus, the one who gives life, the author and perfecter of my faith. If Jesus needed to grow, so do I. And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. And so I just want you to, to think about this for a second because, again, I'm going I'm to tell another story. I'm going to paint a picture for us of, of how I think this works out. So I want you to imagine for just a minute that you're planning the greatest road trip ever. The greatest road trip ever. And I was thinking to myself, there's probably people in the house that do not like road trips. Anybody do not like road trips? Okay, just give me some grace today, you know, just pretend you love road trips, and then imagine what would make it the greatest road trip ever. Are we on the same page? I mean, imagine the greatest road trip ever. You're starting right here in Houston, not flooded. You got out roads. You can go wherever you want. I don't know about you, but here's, here's how I think about it. Houston, I'm taking I-10. I'm going west for a long way, long way, because I've got my sights set on the Pacific Coast Highway via the Grand Canyon. It's going to be sweet. I've never seen the Grand Canyon that close. I'm pumped. I'm going to be there, sunrise, sunset, spend a couple days, get to the San Diego. Anybody ever been to San Diego? I love it there. I, tell, I kind of tell people we're, we're like San Diego part of the year. We just have humidity, which makes it affordable to live here. Um, <laughs> up the 101 to see the trees that I can't wrap my arms around, to the northwest, Seattle, Crater Lake, just keep moving across maybe the northern part of the Midwest. I'm thinking about Chicago and eating food. I'm thinking big cities, small towns. Are you with me? Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Maybe New York. Oh, just as, I mean, just go and go and go. And here's what's cool. Somebody's written the check. I don't have to worry about it. I got money to spare. I got cabins, hotels, whatever I need. How many of you would sign up for a road trip like that? Yes. See, the adventure. I mean, I'm not doing a great job telling this story, and y'all are smiling. You're like, oh, this sounds great. This is like, man, you can, maybe you need to start like a, a vacation planning business or something, you know, like road trips extraordinaire. And we're going to do this. I mean, the thing you've dreamed of, the memories and friends along the way and the, the people that you loved, and if you have kids, they're quiet the whole road trip. <laughs> And they're just loving it. Can you see it? Can you envision how amazing this trip is? I mean, the trip of a lifetime. You're packed. You're ready. You got all the plans. You know where every Bucky's is. You know where every gas station is. You're going. And just as you get in and you turn the keys, somebody goes, hey, guess what? One tank of gas. One fill up. You get one tank. You have fuel in your tank, and that's it. Once it's dry, it's done, you're done. The road trip ends. Man, when I thought about that, I go, I don't even want to go. I'm not going. But I did a little research. My friends over at cargurus.com, I don't trust them. I have no idea who they are, but I found it on the Internet, so it might be true, said this. In a survey they did in a study of cars, the 2016 Ram 1500 3.0 liter EcoDiesel V6 with the 32-gallon fuel tank 
might get you 755 miles, which means you get to El Paso if you go west, to Dalhart, Texas, northwest, to almost to Kansas City, Kansas if you go north, northeast, you'll fall just short of Nashville, east, Tallahassee, Florida, if you go south, enjoy Zacatecas, Mexico. <laughs> and then your trip's over, the adventure's done, your life is done. In that spot, that's where you are, no more. And, and now this road trip seems like not so good. But isn't this how we live? I mean, just think about our lives for a second. Whatever we think fills us up, we just like burn it up, and then we just kind of like are stuck where we are. If we miss the reality of fueling and refueling and filling her up again and again and again, the adventure that we're supposed to live gets stunted, it's shortened, and we miss out. See, we don't think twice about filling up our gas tanks. We go, we fill it up. The gas is like miraculously there and we pump and we put it on a credit card and then somehow miraculously gets paid. But on our own life, our hearts and our minds and our relationships, we just burn it up. And we fail to regularly refuel and refuel and refuel for the journey that is way more important. The journey of our soul, the journey of our mind, the journey of the life that has been breathed into you and the adventure God is calling you on. When I just thought about the potential road trip I could have taken and then thinking, that's it? I just wonder, how many people think that about their own life? This is, this is it? I'm just tired? I'm worn out? And I just go, this is why I think Jesus matters. Because in Jesus, we begin to see someone offering us a forever fuel tank, a forever fill-up station, a God with you and a God with me who cares for you and is interested in you and knows you. And we just get to follow Jesus' lead. It says, and, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. A commentary on Luke 2, 52 says that the whole birth story of Jesus closes with a note of Jesus' continued growth to manhood. And the Greek word is prokopto. Prokopto. And it's up here for you in the original language. And it's this to progress or advance. And, and the original sense is to make one's way forward by chopping away obstacles. It is the ultimate adventure of the pioneer charting a new path forward and chopping through the obstacles that are holding us back from the fullest life God intended us to live. And this is the life Jesus lived. It says he, he chopped away these obstacles for full progress and advancement. It's the fullness of life being lived in me and in you and in Jesus. Procopto. Wisdom and stature, favor with God and man. I was thinking about, well, how would Jesus have grown in wisdom? We probably would have looked to the Proverbs, would have looked to those around, the teachers of the Old Testament. And so check this out. This is how the Proverbs start. I'm going to read to you a couple verses from Proverbs 1, 2, and 3. Proverbs 1, the purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right just and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become 
even wiser. Proverbs 2 starts like this. My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasures. Our culture is really good at seeking treasure. Do we know how to seek the treasure of our souls? Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord and you will gain knowledge of God for the Lord grants wisdom. From his mouth came knowledge and understanding. He grants a treasure of common sense to the honest. Proverbs 3, my child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Please let my life be satisfying. James, New Testament 1.5, talking about going through difficult times and struggles. And for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. We're invited to follow in Jesus and grow in wisdom. This whole stature, this whole life, full-form development. Yes, physical development that would be healthy in our bodies, but it's this full-life development that we would allow Jesus to have access to every part of who we are and that Jesus would be Lord of our life that it wouldn't just be that there's this faith spiritual thing over here and then I kind of like just do my own thing over this way, but that Jesus would speak hope and wisdom and life and growth and transformation into the whole of my being. The thing I love about that, that means Jesus is with me everywhere. That Jesus is, is speaking into my work life. Jesus speaks into relationships and identity in my formative years as, as a fifth grader and an eighth grader and a twelfth grader and a 32-year-old. You give me hope for how to relate to other people and, and how to cultivate being a safe person and creating intimate connections that are meaningful and safe, healthy relationships. Teach me about forgiveness. The whole of my being would be developed. I.H. Marshall says, the intended picture is one of perfect development. The continuation of what has already been described in Luke 2.40, when Jesus next appears, it will be as one ready to be consecrated to his task. Jesus wants us to be ready, just like he was, to pray your will be done here on earth as in heaven. Favor with God and man. How many of you think that sounds nice, <laughs> to live a life that's favored with God and man? Okay, how many of you think a life unfavored sounds nice? Just making sure you're still awake. I don't know. Here for me is where faith just begins to get real central. How are you doing on your journey with God? Are you feeling very connected to God? Is there much time in your life for that right now? And if we're going to experience favor with God, I think we need to be with God. Here's a few tips I want to give you about how we can develop our faith. Relationship with God. When we think about faith here at the Vineyard, we think about actually being in relationship with the living God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the triune God in relationship. Discovering who God is, embracing that in our life, sharing our life with God, and receiving everything that He has for us. Real presence, real wisdom, real direction, real power, real transformation. 
but to be in relationship. And one of the ways we use, we talk about relationship is by faith. It's believing. And in an incredible book that I can recommend, Sacred Rhythms by Ruth Haley Barton, she gives these tips for how to grow faith in our life. Okay? So if you're ready to write, here they come. That we would practice solitude. Solitude. There we go. Solitude. This is fuel for the journey. Here are the tanks that we step up to, the pumps, and we put the nozzle in and we start to fill our lives. Solitude. And this is creating space for God. If we're going to have favor with God and be with God, we need to create space for God, and we do that with solitude. Scripture, encountering God through the Bible. So we have creating space for God. We have experiencing God through the Bible, Scripture. Prayer, prayer is a great fuel source for us. She describes prayer this way, deepening our connection with God. Self-examination. Somebody say yikes. Self-examination, that we would bring our whole self before God. If you're not sure how to do that, try journaling. Just practice asking yourself, how am I doing? Discernment, recognizing and responding to the presence of God, the leading of God, the guiding of God. Sabbath, establishing rhythms of work and rest. Worship, it's what we just did, it's what we're doing right now, it's what our whole life can be. When we direct our life in song and hymn and adoration back to God saying, you are worthy of all the glory. Community. This is why we love small groups, because you're not supposed to do this alone. It's not a solo venture. It's not a solo mission. We need one another. We need to be encouraged by one another. We need people who will stand with, with us when we are falling down. They'll be there to pick us up. They'll listen to our hurts, our heartaches. They'll celebrate with us. They'll be there to cheer us on, that we would have community. In community, we get a tangible experience of the love of God. In community, we get a tangible experience of the love of God. Favor with God, developing connection to God, having faith greater than fear, and an identity that is rooted as God is the one who speaks hope into me, the creator. I am here because I have purpose. I know my source. We don't have to go search for it. We know our identity. And favor with man. I think this might be the hardest part relationships here on earth where people, myself included, are not perfect. It's not perfect. So how do we become a healthy connector? How do we become a healthy source in all the relationships we're in? That I would be like Jesus and be a source of health and wholeness and hope to every person I'm connected to. To every person. That they would experience the kingdom because they're connected to me. They would experience love because they're connected to me. They would know what forgiveness is because they're connected to me. That I would have relationships that are hope-filled and hopeful. Small groups. <laughs> small groups. Small groups. Small groups. That's where we get to practice. That's where we get to practice. So what? 
So what? Why? Why would I want to grow in wisdom and stature? Favor with God and man. What does that really do for me? What does that do for my life? I don't know. I don't know where you are this morning, but I'm going to offer a couple thoughts. God is who God says he is in Scripture, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we see in Jesus what Alan said at the transition, the most perfect representation of a loving God. The ultimate expression of yes in my life to the loving God is faithful obedience. With everything. Complete and faithful obedience in the whole of my life, surrendered to Jesus. I no longer have to go search for my meaning and my identity because I receive it from God. I no longer have to wonder, am I worth this? Am I worth that? Do I have purpose? Does my life matter? Yes, it does. You are worth the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are worth the Creator God to come and lay down His life for you because He loves you. And that is the good news of the gospel. Why would I be obedient? Because it's good news and it invites us to step into the best life we could ever imagine. The best life you could ever imagine. And so here's the rub. And here's where I'm going to finish today. If your fuel tank is good and you know your source and maybe today your source is you and you're good, then you probably aren't interested in what I'm talking about. But if you're like me, and at some point in your life, you realized no matter how hard you tried, you could not try hard enough to overcome the gap in your own person, in your own well-being. You pursued life, you try hard, and yet the thing you're most aware of is that it's, it's just imperfection. There's pain, there's disappointment, there's shortcomings. No matter how hard you tried, it just wasn't good enough. This is what I had to come to realize in my own life. I came to the end of myself and I said, I need a source fueling me that is more trustworthy, that is more generous, that is more powerful, that is more loving, and will speak more hope to me than I can generate for myself. That is Jesus. That is the invitation of the gospel, that, that for every one of us, there is good news that overcomes any bad news. There is good news for eternity. There is good news for today. There is good news for the transformation of my heart, my soul, my relationships. There is good news. And for everybody who's here today, if you have never made the choice to start fueling your life with the love of Jesus, you can begin today. For the first time, you can say, I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. I want to grow in wisdom in stature, in favor with God. And man, I want wisdom that gives me a satisfying life, a full life, the most, the most amazing life you could ever imagine, better than the road trip I, des I described. Today's your day to say yes to good news. And if you're here and you've made that decision at some point in your life, I think there is a real invitation to say, fuel up again. Just come and give your life to Jesus and say, fill her up. Fill her up. Fill her up. Wherever you are on your journey, whatever you need, there is more ahead of you. There is an adventure yet to be lived. And the love of Jesus is the greatest source I know for what you are going through and what you're going to go through.